Well, good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Good to see everybody here this Sabbath. It's a beautiful day inside the house of God, isn't it? It's a little wet, a little windy out there, but hey, spring is here, and they say that April showers... Bring May flowers, all right, and it's cold too at times. So let us have a prayer as we begin our study of the Word of God this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the Sabbath, a time that we have to rest from school, rest from work, focus on you, focus on family and friends, and as we are here in worship today, We need your presence, and we need you. Thank you for leading us to this point this morning. And now as we learn from your scriptures, may you be glorified. May you be honored. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. So I brought with me today what I believe to be one of the best toys ever made. This is something that actually does not decrease in value over time, but it increases in value over time. This is something that does not fade with age. People as old as myself, as old as Mr. Anderson, would still like to play with this stuff. No, it's not Legos, it's Lego. Okay? Whenever I was a kid at Christmas time, I would always go and grab all of the presents under the tree and I would go, Is it Lego? Is it Lego? It's L-E-G-O, no S. How many like to play Lego? All right, isn't that awesome? I don't know how many thousands of pieces we have in our house. Understand, this is Pastor John's set, not any of my kids. Okay? The AT-ST Walker from Star Wars. It has 449 pieces. Isn't that awesome? You know the really cool thing about Lego? Is that they will provide for you at a cost, every piece, this one has 449, every piece that you need to build that model. And on some of the other ones, like the creator models, right? You know the creator models? You can do three models in one set. That is like totally awesome. Absolutely awesome. Do three models in one set. And then you can interchange all of these little locking pieces with all of the other locking pieces to build whatever you want. It's incredible. You can make all sorts of creations and all sorts of amazing things. But Lego will give you all that you need to build that set. Now, okay, every so often, I have had a set recently that um, actually was missing about four or five pieces. And I was like, oh boy, what am I going to do about this? Really simply, you go online and you follow the link that says missing piece and you tell them what you're missing and they'll send it to you free of charge. I don't know how it happens because it's all computer-generated with their little hoppers and everything that dumps it into the bag and seals the bag. But it happens. But they will give you everything that you need 
to build that model. I kind of think that God is similar to, to Lego. Follow me here for a moment. In James chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible reminds us that every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Everything good God has given, the breath that you are breathing right now, the air that you're breathing, the sleep that you received last night, the life that he gives you every morning that you wake up, he gives that to us. The blessing of school he gives. Although maybe we don't think it's a blessing all the time. The blessing of family, the blessings of friends, the blessings of shelter, the blessings of food. All of these good things God has given to us. Now go with me to Second Peter. As we continue thinking about how God is like Lego. Second Peter, the first chapter, back in the New Testament. So James tells us that all the good gifts come from God. The rain comes from God. The snow comes from God. The grass, the trees, the birds, the nature, the seasons, everything comes from God. And look at, look to, let's look together in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Peter is doing this greeting. He gives a greeting to those who are reading his letter. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now if you read through those three sentences, they're not three sentences, three verses, they're actually one sentence, Mr. Lacey would mark you off for a run-on sentence because that is too long of a sentence. Let's break it down a little bit, right? God has given us all things, verse 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us everything that is necessary for this life and for spiritual growth. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That he's given us all of this. Verse 4, he's given us these great precious promises so that he gives us something absolutely unthinkable to us as sinful human flesh. He says, we have these precious promises that we may be partakers of the, of the divine nature. Now hold on a minute, you say. I'm, God has given me these gifts so that I may become divine? <laughs> There's nothing divine in me. I mean, I know what I did yesterday. I know what I did this morning. I am a sinful human being. But the promise that God gives us is that we may become these partakers of the divine nature. We may take the character of God as part of us. Each morning when I get up, I walk to my kitchen sink. I get a big glass of water. Anybody ever drink in the morning right when they get up? 
you're thirsty, get a drink of water. I open my cupboard and there's a couple bottles there in my cupboard. There's a big white bottle of chewable vitamin C that comes from Costco. Anybody have that in their cupboard? Yep. Next to that, there's a little smaller of a bottle of of uh, gummy, all multi-purpose vitamins for the kids. Yeah, you got some of those too, yeah? Next to that, there's, there's another bottle of vitamin D. Next to that, there's another bottle of some other vitamins. So I have the opportunity to take some vitamins in the morning. And I know that some of you students take vitamins. In Pastor Fred's class, if you take vitamin D and you take a quiz, what do you get? Does he still do that? And Pastor Fred, who, okay, who's in Pastor Fred's Bible class? How many of you take quizzes in Pastor Fred's Bible class? How many of you take vitamin D and he gives you a bonus point when you take vitamin D? Did he stop doing that? <sighs> Illustration fail. <laughs> but you remember that, Brian, don't you? Okay, thank you. So Brian can attest to that as well. And where is Pastor Fred? thought I saw him earlier today. Maybe I didn't. Okay, you've got you to tell him that in Bible class on Monday. You say, why don't we get vitamin D bonus points? Tell him that. Tell him Pastor John told you to tell him that. But there are vitamins that, that we can take. And even if we don't take our vitamins, there are different products that will fortify their food, their products, with certain vitamins and minerals. A lot of your cereals have fortified grains in them, fortified sugar in them. Of course, I mean, if you look at all these, yeah, they're all sugar cereals, but they have actually fortified things, like iron. Maybe you can't see that there. Reduced iron is the fortification of it. There's 50% of your daily iron in a bowl of Reese's Puffs. I actually just read an article that says children today actually are over-vitaminized because they're taking all of, eating all of these cereals that are fortified with supplements and different minerals and different vitamins. Did you know that calcium is even in your orange juice? They fortify your orange juice with calcium. I didn't know there was calcium in orange juice. No, it's artificially put in there. But the reason they do this is that so is so that our so our diets can have the nutrients necessary. They um, pre- these nutrients prevent diseases. They strengthen our immune system. They develop our cognitive properties. So they give our brains the ability to think better. But that's what these fortified products are doing. Recently, we've been talking about this sermon series on being fortified. Fortifying our faith, especially in these end times when we realize Jesus is coming soon. Lift up the trumpet, he's coming. We don't know exactly when he's coming, so we need to make sure that we're ready when he comes. We don't know when our end is coming. Our demise could be later today, it could be tomorrow. We must be ready and have our faith fortified, strengthened, and not lacking in godly qualities. We've been talking about this over the past few weeks. We talked first about how we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be eating the Word of God, digesting the Word of God, and having it a part of our lives. 
We need to be patiently waiting for God to produce holiness in us. We talked about holiness and what that means to be holy. We talked about even waiting while God is delaying His coming. What to do in the waiting. How we are to patiently wait for His coming to be people who are patient. And here we are at part four of Fortified. The vitamins and minerals of faith. So the question that we might ask is, are there additives to faith? Can we add to, can we supplement to our saving belief in Jesus? Can we take some vitamins for our faith? Is that, is that possible? Well, let's keep reading. In 2 sec, Peter chapter 1, verse 5, if you're still open there, if you're not, go ahead and open again to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And Peter says that for also this very reason, giving all diligence. So he's talking about the reason. For this very reason, God has given us these things. He has promised us be, to be partakers of the divine nature. And so he says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Supplement your faith. Add to your faith virtue. And he goes through a list of godly qualities that we can add to our faith. Some people call this Peter's ladder. I like to think of it as Peter's view of the fruits of the Spirit. There's other lists of this matter throughout the New Testament where they add one thing onto another onto another of godly qualities. So this is Peter's ladder. He goes through and he says, Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, Verse 6, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Characteristics that we may add to our faith, but that will be found in a follower of Jesus as well. I like to think of this as the result of our faith. This list of godly qualities. It's almost like an evidence list. Maybe you've heard the saying, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, then it must be a duck, right? If it looks like a bear and um, growls like a bear and walks like a bear and chases you like a bear, then you better run because it's a bear. If it moves like a cow and it smells like a cow and it has milk like a cow, then it must be a... Okay, so you, you understand that. If it... Here's another one for Pastor Fred, but he's not here. But if it looks like a car and it's red and shiny like a car and it has a little horse emblem and it's fast like a car, it must be... Yes. Pastor Fred's new Mustang. I'm talking about that too, right? I hope that we record this so Pastor Fred can hear. So, so an evidence list. Given a list of evidence, it's easy to identify that object that's in discussion. Right? So this list of evidence that Peter gives, it's the same for Christ followers. Peter gives a list of godly qualities which followers of Jesus will both possess... And practice. He gives this list of godly qualities which followers of Jesus will both possess, they will have it, and they will practice it. 
put it into practice. So when we see someone with these qualities, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, we can look at them and we can say, hey, you look like you've been with Jesus. You look like you follow Jesus. Tell me how that works. What we're really talking about as we talk about these godly qualities and these things that Peter encourages us to add to our faith is we're talking about sanctification, right? Being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. And many times when we talk about sanctification, it's easy for us to get a little bit confused and to get a little bit construed on what the main idea is really talking about. Because which comes first? The possessing or the practicing? Which comes first? The chicken or the egg, right? So which comes first in sanctification? Possessing these qualities or practicing these qualities? It's very easy, and I want us to caution as we move forward here, it's very easy for us to focus on the godly qualities and make that perfectionism. And we can, we can leave with an idea of perfectionism. I have to do all of this before God will accept me, before God will make me perfect. And I want us to be, to be careful that we don't look at this as perfectionism, but as the free gifts that God gives us. Because salvation... Redemption. We sang redeemed this this morning, right? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Why do we love to proclaim that we are redeemed? Have we done anything to make ourselves redeemed? We've not. Because if there is anything that we can do to earn salvation or to become redeemed, then the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross would be for nothing. Jesus did everything that we needed for salvation at the cross. Amen? Didn't he? Then he sanctifies us freely by his grace as well. It's easy for us to follow a checklist because we're human. Got to make sure I'm sanctified. Got to make sure I go to, the, go, go to church and worship. Read my Bible. Pray every day. Do service. Be kind to one another. Practice brotherly love. Stop sinning. It's easy for us to go through a checklist. But following a checklist can be exhausting. Because we're always checking to make sure that I've done what's right. Avoid what's doing wrong. Oh, did I, did I step in the right place? Did I, did I make the right move there? Did I make the right choice or the right decision in this moment? It's easy to follow that checklist. But that's not sanctification, my friends. As we're talking about sanctification, I want us to look at the words of Paul a little bit in Philippians chapter 1. Paul says that he is confident that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite verses. Because when I look at my life, I realize I'm not perfect. Those of you who know me definitely, Pastor John's not perfect. When I look at my life, I realize, you know what? 
there is hope still for Pastor John. Because he who has started this work in me will complete it. He's not done with me yet. He's still working on me. And he's still working on you too. Go a few more verses and you'll find more hope. Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13. Paul continues and he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now some are saying, stop, wait a minute, look at that. We're working to our salvation. No, we're not. There is a very small part that we play. But he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Who's doing the work? God's doing the work. Who's working to our salvation? God's doing the work. Do we understand that? And then when we, when we combine that and we connect that with 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, if you're still there, go back to it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything that we need. Given us all things that pertain to life and godly living. He's given us everything. So he's the one who's doing the work. He's the one that's producing the righteous works in us. He's the one that's producing the sanctification in us. So these godly qualities that Peter then lists, they're the qualities that we practice because of a transformed heart. Because our heart has been transformed. And they're a practice not to become holy or sanctified, but because we are being sanctified by Him who is doing the work. Isn't that some good news? Some really good news. I mean, it's easy for us to be on a perfection pathway and to achieve holiness on our own. And we think we're holy because we're following the checklist. It's easy for us to make a promise to God and say, you know what, God? I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to go there again. I'm not going to say that again. And it's easy for us to have this mindset because as humans, we want to do something. Look what I've done. I'm strong. I made this promise that I'm never going to sin again. Raise your hand if you want to, but have you ever made a promise to God? Yeah? I used to do this a lot until I realized it was quite petty. I'm playing basketball. Okay, God, if I make this shot, I'm going to do away with sweets for a whole week. Brick. Yes, I can still eat ice cream. (laughs) Right? Okay, God, if I make this shot, I'm going to be nice to my sister. (laughs) Swish. Oh, man, do I really have to? Okay, we make promises. We say, okay, God, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to stop sinning. I will never, ever do that ever again. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> yeah. And so we feel good about ourselves because we make this promise and we make this commitment. But then what happens maybe in the next five minutes or the next day or the next week? What happens? Thumbs up if you keep it. Thumbs down if you break your promise. 
We make a checklist. I'm going to be more self-controlled next time, God, but you know what, my friends? It just doesn't work that way. Look at the wisdom from Steps to Christ, page 47. Look at the word picture here. She says, your promises and your resolutions are like ropes of sand. Word picture. What, what is a rope supposed to be? It's supposed to be strong. It's supposed to be something you can put your weight into, tie things up, support weight, whatever. Ropes of sand. What happens to sand? It just falls right through your fingers. So steps to Christ. Ellen White is saying your promises and your resolutions, they just fall through your fingers like ropes of sand. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of your broken promises and fortified pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. Friends, this is a heavy burden. If we feel like we have to produce righteousness in ourselves by promising God we're not going to do that again. Resolving to do better next time. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because we fail. We're humans. We fail. And so we feel like those promises, we feel like that commitment that we made to Jesus it wasn't substantial enough. So we want a bigger commitment. Make it stronger next time. But then we fail again. And here comes the accuser of our brethren to come and say, you're not worthy because you're a sinner. And so we have this despair. But keep reading. You need, you need not despair. You need not despair. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. The will, our thoughts, our mind, our choices. This is the governing power in the nature of man. The power of decision or of choice. Everything depends upon the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men, it is theirs to execute. Friends, God does not want promises. He doesn't want resolutions. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants us to give him his, our hearts by our choice. Who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow God? Are we going to follow ourselves? That's the power of choice that we have. And we finish the paragraph. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections. But you can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will. He will then work in you to will and to do according to His good pleasure. You see the allusion to Philippians too, right? God is the one who is doing the work. Do we understand that God is the one who works in us? We have a small part to play, the choice. But God is the one who does the heavy lifting. He's the one that does the work. We choose Him and our whole life then becomes under control of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one that then produces those godly qualities in us. 
we're not working to it ourselves because why have we asked God for something that he's already given us? If his divine power has given us everything, why do we then ask and say, okay, God, make me more godly or make me more holy? But he's already given us. And so it's not make me more holy. Maybe it's make me to follow you. Make me to listen to the Holy Spirit. Help me to understand that. How many in here play basketball? Got a bunch of ballers in here? Yep. What helps you become a better basketball player? What helps you become a better basketball player? Come on, Michael, tell me. Practice. Okay. What else? Anything else? What else, coach? Proper fundamentals. Okay. Practice, proper fundamentals. Anybody go with the visualization as you're standing at the free throw line, close your eyes and visualize it, right? Some say that helps at times. Okay. Dreaming about it. How about dreaming about basketball? Does that help you become a better player? What do you think? No? Yeah? So practice. Okay, so I'm going to be a better basketball player, and so I've got my golf clubs, and I'm going to practice. Does that work? Am I going to be a better basketball player if I practice golf? How about if I go with Mr. Beaton to the racquetball court? Will that make me a better basketball player? It might give me a little more endurance. If I want to be a better basketball player, I've got to practice the fundamentals. Where do you learn the fundamentals? In basketball. Coach, right? The coach or other players, they help you along. If you want to become like LeBron James or Steph Curry, what are you going to do? You're going to watch them. You're going to observe. You're going to study what they do. And you're going to follow what they do. And you're going to practice like them. And you're going to look like a fool because you can't quite reach the 10-foot rim. (laughs) But you're still going to try. Isn't that very similarly the same in our Christian walk? We don't possess the godly principles by thinking hard about them. We follow the example of the one, capital O, who possesses all of them and has given them to us. And we follow his example. We follow his example. So we go back to the question, which one comes first, chicken or the egg? Which one comes first, the possessing the godly qualities or the practicing the godly qualities. How many say possessing? How many say practicing? How many say yes? Can we say yes? Because doesn't God already give us all things? Second Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's given it to us. So we're already possessing them. So why don't we practice them, right? That's that's the big question, right? 
Peter goes on and he describes, he explains what happens when these qualities are supplemented into our faith. Chapter 1, verse 8, 2 Peter 1, verse 8. He says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, good promise. We'll be fruitful. Verse 9, though, it's a demising downfall. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Rejoicing as we see that we have possessing these qualities, and we see that we don't have them, we're, we're not practicing them, we realize we need to, walk, need to walk closer to Jesus. And then Peter sums it up, verse 10 and 11, he says, Therefore, brethren, sums up this little passage. He says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. He says, be more diligent. Be more serious. If you're on a marathon training, you've got to be serious about that marathon training. You can't just toe the line with running two or three miles. You've got to put in the practice. Be serious. In verse 11, he says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Eternal life that is supplied by Jesus. So we need to be serious about supplementing our faith. Now, as I think about all that we've talked about this morning, there's a characteristic of the human mind that astounds me. Maybe it shouldn't astound me because we live in a world of sin, but the question that I always think about when, I'm, when we talk about sanctification and the godly qualities that he's already given us, why don't we take hold of those great gifts? Why don't we just, let's just grab them? Why don't we just use them? Why don't we just practice them in our lives? I mean, God offers them to us. He supplied them. Why is it so hard to accept them? Why is it so difficult to practice them? Yes, we live in a world of sin. There's a struggle that goes on. Do we not know that those qualities, those, those characteristics of God are available even to us? Well, I hope if you've been listening, you realize they are available now. You can partake of the, the divine nature. Maybe... Are we too comfortable in our sinful ways? We don't want to make a change. It would affect my comfort level. I mean, why is it a struggle to focus on those things of virtue, those good, pure, true, honest things that Philippians talks about as well? Why is it so hard? I mean, I... I'm in this struggle as well. I'm in this question as well because why do I prefer to be entertained rather than supplementing and fortifying my faith by reading the Bible and praying? I mean, it's not that I don't want the godly qualities. I do. I'm sure you do as well. Is the spirit willing but the flesh weak? Take, for example, any healthy practice. 
I have a dentist appointment coming up in a few weeks. I know that flossing is good for me. Good for my gums, good for my teeth, whatever. But why is it that I go five and a half months without flossing and then two weeks before the appointment, all of a sudden, right? Now you're all going to go home and floss tonight. Why is it that I know what healthy eating is like, so why do I go get a quart of ice cream at Baskin and Robbins? I know that exercise is good. We know that exercise is good, but we're too tired. I mean, all these things. We know that sunshine is good and sleep is good. All these things that, that we know, we got, we got the knowledge of it, but we don't practice it. Why? I'm still wondering that. I'm still struggling with that. But there is a struggle that really happens in our hearts and in our lives. We've been talking about this since January, right? The struggle is real. There's this battle. Maybe the forbidden fruit just looks better. Maybe they feel like the grass is greener on the other side somewhere. I don't really have an answer for you right now, but what I want to do is I want to challenge you to do the hard thing. Fortifying our faith. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard to stand your ground and push through the difficult moments. But I challenge you to do the difficult thing. It's easier to escape, take the path of least resistance. So I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. I do know that His divine power has given us everything that we need. He's given us everything necessary for this life and for godly living. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we've looked at some of your promises in Scripture this morning, it has been my prayer that we take those to heart. That we recognize that you have already given us those characteristics of you. And as we follow the promptings of your Holy Spirit, may we choose to follow you. May you be glorified in our lives And may we be grace-filled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.